your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. First and goal at the four as they go in the backfield. A tight end to the near side. They throw it out to the flat to Stoll. makes a catch. He dies. He's in. Touchdown, Nebraska. Jack Stoll's third touchdown catch of the year. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you. We're here Tuesday night, Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network Game Week. And so we're into our Game Week type programming. It's a lot of our first volleyball radio show of the year. John Cook will be in studio along with John Bader. Coming up in hour number two, Husker Volleyball will have first serve Friday night as the Creighton Blue Jays will be at the Devaney Center. First serve at 7, and then they will play Saturday night at 7 against UCLA. Quite a week. We'll talk Husker Volleyball in hour number two. Josh had a clip from defensive coordinator Eric Chenander in the sports ticker. We'll have a practice report with cuts from the Husker DC coming up here in just a little bit as Nebraska totally into game planning for South Alabama, getting ready for a team that's going to start a quarterback with very little experience. Pretty good running back. One wide receiver who's a little bit like a Wandale Robinson and the fact that last year he carried the ball a lot for South Alabama and he also caught a bunch of passes. So he's going to be used in multiple ways. We'll get Eric's thoughts about the matchup with USA coming up a little bit later on in the hour. We'll also hear from UNL Chancellor Ronnie Green. School underway. School began yesterday, a late start to the fall semester here at UNL. We'll get the Chancellor's thoughts about school getting underway and a, a new curriculum that's being offered by the university. We'll talk about that with the Chancellor coming up here in just a little bit. Hour number three, it's Tuesday, Top 10 Tuesday. Last week, Ben, in your absence, we did the top 10 matchups for college football here in the fall. So tonight we thought we would dive in a little bit deeper and go the top 10 most exciting players for this upcoming season. There's some good ones. Yeah, it could be fun. Um, excited about that and excited to be back on Welcome Game back. Week. Um, Do feels, you have any idea who, be in here. what our team looks like? Or? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, the thing I'm struggling with most is what day it is. Yeah. I've, I've had That's been a problem for the last, I don't know, however many days, basically the month of August. But, um, yeah, I'm excited. We, we're at – it was the day of the wedding was Miami, Florida. So I got to just dip my toe in the water and see just a little bit of, of college football. Did watch quite a bit of Bo Pelini's game, the Youngstown okay. State game. Um, uh, so just got to dip the toe in the water, but we're diving we're diving headfirst in this week. You were in Hawaii for a buddy's wedding. Yep. Tough place to get married. Tough, Yeah, really tough yeah. situation. You know, I had to walk through the sand, had the ocean in the background, and was a little toasty that day, but... You know there are worse. There are worse places to be. So no truth to Nate Roar's much publicized rumor that you were over there to support your bromance of Khalil Tate in Arizona. <laughs> uh, different. I was on a different island as as he was, <laughs> and uh, boy, Khalil Tate. I mean, we, again, we were doing wedding festivities, but I did pull up the box score of that game. He played what well. A, what a game that was. And, I mean, did Hawaii turn the ball over six times or something and, and, still, won. Lo- and still won? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Khalil gets tackled at the one on the last play of the game. Pretty exciting. Yeah. So you but were no, not I was team. not in attendance. I did okay. not wear my Khalil Tate player tee uh, <laughs> uh, on the island for that one. So we can, we can dispel that rumor that Nate Rohr kept throwing was, out there. I was publicly shamed enough for uh, my bromance for Khalil Tate in the last, I don't know, six months. 
six to eight months. So I I, I, I backed off the gas pedal on that well, one. Well, let's get your thoughts because Nate and I covered a bunch of this ground last time, but we didn't get your input about some of the things, some of the headlines for Husker football the last couple of days. One with the captains. Surprised at all of the four captains that were announced over the weekend. I was a little surprised at, at Darian Daniels, and not in fact, not in the fact that he's not worthy of being a captain, but I, I'm, I don't know if surprise is the word, as, as impressed, I think, is the word that um, his teammates thought that highly of him already to vote him a captain. I'm only imagining the numbers of players that received votes for that, and it wouldn't have shocked me one iota if, if I knew Darian Daniels got votes. It would have it wouldn't shock me that he got votes. It surprised me he got enough to be a captain. I think that says a lot about his personality, number one, his drive, uh, his character, his willingness to work, competitiveness, work ethic, uh, all of those things. His attitude at practice every day in fall camp. I mean, you don't you don't become a captain if any of those areas are are missing. And so for him to. Uh, be a captain at, at his last school and then come to Nebraska be a captain a place where he hasn't even been six months is very impressive um, so that was the one to me that um, you know maybe caught my eye it wasn't really a surprise to me that that Farniak was was awarded a captain because he's played enough football mm-hmm. now to where you know he's he's the veteran he's the guy that everybody turns to up front and he's not shy no not at all uh, he's got a great personality so you know, to me, Adrian and Mo. I mean, those seeds were stitched on the jersey as soon as those things came out of out of a box uh, in the off season. So that those weren't surprises. But but to see those other two, uh, I'm happy for him. You got a, a graduate transfer and and a guy who's you know technically not a senior, which you know in the past has been somewhat of a requirement to wear the C at Nebraska. But I love the way that, that they're, they're picked to be captains, voted by their teammates, and I think they're all going to represent uh, the C very well. The other thing that popped out while you were gone last week, the alternate uniforms, the, the kind of the tip of the cap to the black shirts, and Scott Frost then at the end of the week saying he'd like to in the future, not necessarily this year, but in the future, if the defense has a really good performance, to wear those type of black jerseys the next game just as an incentive for those guys to go out and play a good game your thoughts about the look of the black the black jerseys i know there are a lot of people out there uh the person who sat in this chair included well, that, he, he leads the, the yeah, he's holding the sign yeah. up front um that aren't a fan of nebraska wearing black and i understand it i get it but me personally i'm a part of the the new wave the new era and I think I think they look really cool, and and the other part about this is, I understand that Nebraska is a tradition-rich school that they don't need alternates. They don't need to have great uniforms or cool, flashy Oregon-style uniforms to get recruits. But it helps. It uh, Nebraska doesn't need to to go off-brand and market themselves as a school that does this flashy things. There's enough over in that building back behind us that that has that already and that's enough to get kids but it does help um and to me if if it's going to help recruiting if it's going to make the kids feel like they play better if it's an incentive to them to play better i'm all for it and i know that that's going to upset a lot of people and and you know some boats are probably rocked a little bit by by hearing that i'm cool with it i you know i think you know this day and age uh you know you're not necessarily falling behind, but you're not doing yourself any favors when 
basically every other school in the country is doing something um, to, to commemorate new uniforms. I mean, you can count on one hand the schools that, that aren't, aren't doing it and, and aren't getting involved. You know, this is the hype is always big for Husker football, and, and everyone gets excited before the start of every season. It has been it has been difficult. I'm I feel like I'm I'm the on the riding the horse and I'm pulling the reins back trying to hold this in. But I I know I think you're pretty excited about this thing kicking off on Saturday and what this team the possibilities for this team here this fall. I was around a lot of different Husker fans uh, this this past week uh, at the wedding. There are a lot of people that I don't know overly well that wanted to get my take on the team and I think I think a lot of people are very excited for the season and expectations. But I also think the, the amount of losing that this program has gone through in the last, you know, however many years has kind of rubbed off some pessimism or some cautious optimism on the fans. You know, when I first started this job 11 years ago, losing a football game, it was like showing up to work, you know, getting your tooth pulled out. That's what it was like. And I remember losing games just, you know, using the time between clock hit zero to big red reaction, preparing myself for the amount of calls I was going to have to screen of fans just going nuts on the program. And and how mild that has been. I would even say the last five, six, seven years, how mild the calls were. To me, it says that fans got used to losing. They, they Not that they didn't want to win. It's just it became – an almost an every every week type of thing and it became easier to lose and I hate that I hate being able to to get in my car now after a Husker game and go up oh, well maybe we'll get them next week I hate that I miss losing a game and having a pit in my stomach going what just happened we just lost a football game we just lost and so I think that that type of excitement is back like I, I honestly feel like I am going to be upset again when Nebraska loses a football game, and that having that feeling again is a really good feeling. So yes, I'm optimistic. There's probably a little cautious optimism, you know, in me as well. But you know, I've seen the team, I've seen the schedule, I know our coaches. You know, all of those things combined lead me to believe it's going to be a really good year. And and unfortunately, or fortunately, however you look at it, a lot of that responsibility is going to fall on one young man's shoulders. And that's a lot to bear as a, as, a, as a sophomore quarterback. But a lot of the reason why we're having this conversation right now and any other conversation I've had with any other person all summer revolves around Adrian Martinez and his ceiling this year. Had a laptop-throwing moment yesterday when Scott Frost dropped that line about how he does something that wows you every practice. And he made a throw a couple of days ago that Coach Frost said, I've never seen anybody do it unless I was watching the Kansas City Chiefs a year ago, referencing Patrick Mahomes, the greatest quarterback to ever live, who plays for the Chiefs. When you hear him drop that line, you're like, oh, my gosh, let's go. Uh, it, and I, it scares the daylights out of me that that's the type of stuff that's coming out. I even saw a media person, I can't remember who it was, put a freshman comparison of numbers between Adrian Martinez and freshman comparison numbers of Patrick Mahomes. Like, just stop. Yes. Stop doing that. Yes. Number one, it's a completely different system. The, the, the circumstances are completely different. And the fact that you're doing that, you're, you're setting yourself up for, you know, what could be just massive disappointment. If something, God forbid, were to ever happen to Adrian Martinez, you know, it's you're putting so much on this young man's shoulders already 
And he didn't even play a full season last year. So let's just let him play his game. Let him play, get in the offense, take the first shotgun snap, make the first throw before we, you know, start shipping the hardware, you know, to, to, to here already. I was on another show earlier today, and somebody was asking me about him, and I raved about him. I said, but here's the good, really good news for Husker fans. They have some depth at that position now, that if Adrian were to get hurt in a game and have to come out, you, I think the coaches have a lot of confidence in both Noah Vedral and Luke McCaffrey, that they can – those two guys, and I've even had some former coaches who've been at some Nebraska practices tell me the same thing. They can win with either one of those two guys under center or – we don't go under center, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Taking the snaps. So that should make a lot of Husker fans feel really good. Love Adrian, but the other two guys might be able to lead us to wins as well. Well, even think back to last year, too, and this is a point I've had to bring up to people myself. It's There were a lot of people that you know didn't think highly of, of Andrew Bunch as a backup last year. Andrew Bunch couldn't play like Andrew Bunch last year because of the risk of getting hurt. True. I mean, they, they were so cautious with him and the way that he played because if something were to ever happen to him, we were in serious trouble. Now, obviously, Noah Vedral getting cleared, you know, I think it was the Northwestern game, was. was the game that, that he was granted the, the clearance from the NCAA. You know, before that point, it was, well, who played quarterback in high school? And who can we get? It reminded me of the Maryland team a few years ago that lost, I think, four quarterbacks yeah. and had to turn a freshman linebacker into their quarterback. So even if, as we said, knock on wood, God forbid anything happened to Adrian Martinez, we have guys capable of running our offense now and running it at a full capacity. And, and it won't necessarily be a plug-and-play for number two, but it'll be a situation where guys are comfortable, they know what they're doing, they're not held back, they can tuck and run if they have to and, and implement every, every part to the offense. But, um, yeah, I think Adrian Martinez and, and what everybody's expecting out of him this year – and, and we're lucky he's as mature of a guy he is to, to handle this because if he wasn't, if he was a complete wild card off the field, now you're worried if all this stuff's getting to his head. But we know that it's, it's not affecting him at all. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you here on a Tuesday night. Time for tonight's practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Practice reports brought to you by JTEC Construction. Time to replace your roof. Call JTEC, the official exterior experts of the Huskers. For a free estimate, JTEC Construction is a family-owned company with locations in Lincoln, Omaha, and Grand Island. Defense day-to-day on a Tuesday. Defensive coordinator Eric Schnander meeting with members of the media following the practice today right around 11 a.m. here this morning. First question he was asked was about yesterday and the black shirts being handed out by former players and what his reaction was to that situation they had yesterday. Uh, it was an awesome experience. Uh, meant the world to me and the guys. Um, you know, I, I don't ever like to talk about what those guys say because I want them to feel like they can come back to the team and say anything they want. But, I mean, you're, you're talking about a deal where you've got some, some grown men shedding a tear, and there's one of them right here. Um, but, you know, I mean, they just told those guys what it meant to be a black shirt, and I don't know if they've heard that from enough guys yet to really get this tradition back where it needs to be. And it was, a, it was an awesome, awesome ordeal. I've one I'll cherish for the rest of my life probably. You know, you start to see the reactions of these guys 
and the impact that these types of speeches have on them. I even saw a player's mom tweet today about how happy she was, you know, to receive a black shirt. That's got to make all those people that are all about tradition and some of the best traditions that we, we have to offer here at Nebraska smile. Anybody you talk to that's played for this program that's gotten one of those can tell you how emotional it was when they first got it. I mean, it, it just impacts you. It's a really cool thing. It's, it's one of the many reasons why Nebraska football is so special. No question about it. Well, it is game week for the defense and Yay. the entire team for that matter. Coach Shenander was asked how they've started preparing for South Alabama. Well, I mean, obviously you're looking at their, um, you know, their season last year. Um, there's some new pieces. They lost a, a guy, I think a heck of a receiver they lost to, uh, I think he's maybe with the Denver Broncos. Uh, new quarterback. A lot of these kids with me being in Alabama recruiting, I've had the chance to see live. Uh, I know their quarterback's a heck of an athlete that can really throw the football. Uh, he's a big kid, Cephas. Uh, but, you know, they have a really nice scheme, um, some really difficult things to defend, and I think they have some good athletes running around. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a good first game for us to, to get a lot, of, a lot of things fit up correctly and, and you know, matching personnel, and, and they are very multiple in what they do. One of the big things that's been talked about all year, uh, of the big benefits for this team is, is year two. They have a year under their belt, both the players and the coaches, uh, what's the attitude going into the season opener this year compared to last? Yeah, I think I've just seen a. It's it's just a more mature group. It's a more workmanlike group. It's a group that knows what has to be done if we want to be successful. It's it's not a we're going to do it our way. They're doing it Coach Frost's way right now, and, and it's just a. To me, it's a completely different attitude. You can see that attitude not just you know going into the opener, but the way that they approach practice the way that they handle interviews talk about leadership talk about black shirts you know all these all these things you know I um, was listening to some old material today and, and came across an interview that I did with Trey Neal a year ago and a lot of that conversation was was geared towards Trey Neal a newcomer having to introduce Nebraska players to what Nebraska football is going to be all about and to hear that halfway through the season about guys you know him trying to explain things and, you know, and the biggest thing that got me in that particular interview was he goes, I have guys coming up to me all the time asking, Trey, why am I doing this? You don't hear that anymore. No players asking, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? What am I going to get out of this? They just put their head down and do it. Right. It's a, it's a dramatic difference. And you have to go through that. You have to learn that. You had to learn how to crawl before you walk. And last year was a little bit of crawling going along for that football team. I think we'll look back in three or four years. And Trey Neal's place in Husker history is going to have a, a nice little shelf to sit on because I think he was a huge reason why so much progress was made last year. Special person to, yep. to do what he did. And we'll talk about one of the guys, two of the guys that he's helped foster here in a second. Uh, but one, one of the things that came out this, this past few days has been the depth chart. A lot of oars on that depth chart. Coach Shenander was asked about decisions he had to make when putting that thing together. There's a few tough decisions, you know, like like who's gonna like who's gonna run out first at middle linebacker. I think we got three starters right now. 
And so, to me, I don't really care who runs out. It's, it's the, the, the guys care a lot more about who runs out for the first play than I guess I do because I feel great about the three of them. I feel great about the outside backers. I feel great about those five DBs, and we can get a good mix out there. Um, and there's a lot of more oars in there than I think were listed. You know, Ben Stilley is an oar with any position on the defensive line. He's a starter. Um, so I feel good that you have those oars and you have guys that you can feel like your starters. I guess the hard decision is who walks out for the first snap. And then, like I said, it's th those kids probably makes a lot more difference than it does to me because I just see like we got depth and we can roll in. I, I echo completely what he said. And anybody that's played competitive football knows that if you're in a position battle and you're not the first one out there, it does sting. Uh, you know, to see that other that other player go out there, you can't help but feel like you're not a starter. But as a coach, you're going, you're going to play 50 snaps yes. today. So, yeah, your ego might be hurt a little bit that you don't get the first play. But if they change personnel, you're going to be in the second play and you better be ready to go. And the coaches love it that they're steamed that they're not if they're not the first one. You, it's what you want. It's like not, not being in the lineup card in baseball. You're like, yeah, this is a little different because you know you're going to get into the game. We had some calls last night, Ben. People were surprised there weren't some more of those two true freshmen in the secondary listed on the depth chart. Well, Miles Farmers had a, a finger issue where he's been in the cast. He missed some times. I, Nola Pola Gates, I think, is working more corner. And our corners are pretty good right now. He just couldn't get ahead of a couple of those guys. And, and you know, and Javen Wright. Uh, to me, Javen Wright may need to move a position. I think maybe he's more of an outside backer maybe than he is even a safety. So I don't, But don't give up on those guys. Newsom is on the depth chart, and, and rightfully so, but don't give up on that. And also the depth thing, the coaches have made it a big thing too about saying they'd like to limit the number of snaps that Muhammad Barry's out there, that he played too much last year. And so if you can get him out for a series of downs, that's a good thing. Use Caleb Tanner as the example. Think about where he was last year. Right. And, and how highly touted he was and how long it took took him to get comfortable. They may not take that long. Right. They might figure it out sooner. Might take them longer. Who knows? But to, to expect them to see their names like right up there right away, we got some pretty good guys yeah. up there starting right now. So think about – and then, you know, I mentioned Caleb Tanner. Think about where he is right now. He is one of the guys on the top of the line. So it takes some time to right. figure it out. Just, just let them – I know there's a lot of hype around those guys and, and everybody wants to see them just – how about how about the next guy that we're talking about? Took him all this time to earn a starting spot and earn a black shirt. And we talked about Trey Neal last year. Well, Markeldis Muke is one of the guys that benefited from learning from Trey Neal last year. And to me, maybe who I'm most excited to see healthy and out there on the football field, who's been waiting his turn, done a lot of growing, done a lot of reflecting on his on his career. Um, Coach Shenander was asked about Markeldis Muke today. Yeah, to me, Markel is a completely different guy. He's playing really well. He's an unbelievable teammate. Um, he knows what he's doing. He's a great special teams player. He's willing to do what the team needs to succeed. Uh, he's just he's been a just a bright spot for me in camp. Markel Desmuke is to me a guy maybe I'm pulling for most other than Tyron Ferguson on the defense. Those two guys, I I, I want so badly for them to to have a big impact in, in a college football game or a season. You know, they've been waiting their turn. They've been patient. They've definitely been through the downs. Now it's time for some ups for those guys. And I'm really glad Coach Shenander talked about. Markel on special teams because there's been a few teams on the sideline where there's been a violent collision maybe not even near the tackle but a dude taken on a blocker I'm like who the heck was that 
and it's been 19, Markel Desmuke. And so I'm, I'm happy for him. He's got a black shirt, and now he can he can go full bore. Well, one of his tag team running mates that has a black shirt and a lot of excitement about is Cam Taylor. Coach Shenander was asked about Cam Taylor today as well. Yeah, I mean, leadership from a young guy. Uh, he's an absolute dynamite special teams player, and he's a guy for us that can play corner. He can play safety. He can play nickel. He's good enough to be the starter at any five of those positions, um, but we also have really good ones right now in front of him. Um, but he's going to play a lot of football this year, and I think he's going to make a lot of plays. That's truly one position where the or means nothing. Cam no. Taylor's going to be out there all the time. He's not going to take snaps away from Lamar. He's not going to take snaps away from Decap. He's going to be out there on the field. They're going to find a way to get him out there. Uh, to start ordering who's better between Cam Taylor and Lamar and Decap, you're doing yourself a disservice when you start doing that. Just They're 1A, B, and C. Yeah, that's what they are. And they're all going to be out there pretty much every snap that means a lot. One guy that's got a lot of attention towards him the last few weeks, especially coming back from, from an injury, is JoJo Doman. Where is he at right now, being Tuesday of game week? Yeah, right, right now, I mean, right now JoJo's still – I mean, you can be in as good a shape as you want. Until you play football, you're not in football shape. And JoJo just hasn't had a billion snaps playing football right now. He's a really good player. He's going to play a lot of football for us. He may be, end up walking out there as a starter one day. I don't know. But right now, we're just kind of getting his legs back under and making sure that he's ready to go. I don't want to lose him on September 1st when we need him you know, in October and November. JoJo did speak to the media today and just said, you know, those past few weeks have been, have been trying. He's grown from it. He's excited to go play football, and I know you'll be shocked to hear this, you know, smash mouth, nasty, swag, all <laughs> words that came out of his mouth uh, here today. But, you know, you hope you hope at, at some point his body can get healthy enough. That's what he said today. He's like, I'm, I'm to the point now, or I want to get to the point where I'm stopped thinking about my body and I just get to play football. Right. And this, there's much bigger games on the horizon, as Coach Chin just said there, than, than Saturday. He's one of those bulldogs you have to slash, slap one of those spiky leashes on and pull back because he, he'll tell you he's, he wants to go. They might have to hide his helmet yeah. at times. Well, he'd go out there without it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, he might do that. This is the Nebraska Volleyball Radio Show right here on the Husker Sports Network. Here comes the serve. Pass made. Another bad one. Back row swing. Hollingsworth. Nice dig by Lexi. Here come the Huskers. One hand set. And Lawrence Griffiths. Eight of the last nine. It's eight four big run. With Husker head volleyball coach John Cook. Husker volleyball. Vicky for the match. She got it. She's got it. Can you believe it? Call the grandkids. Nebraska with the National Semi against Illinois. The Husker Volleyball Radio Show with head coach John Cook is sponsored by Sarder Heyman, the official jeweler of Husker Athletics, where Nebraska gets engaged. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Volleyball Show, John Baylor. Greetings, Nebraska. Hello. All the happy memories. Down two sets love at the National Semi in Minneapolis, December 2018. But the Huskers storm back despite two Illinois match points in the third. And the Huskers take care of the Illini. And two nights later against Stanford, it's 9-9 in the fifth. 2019. Hello. The curtain rises on Friday. Say hello to the Creighton Blue Jays, preseason number 18 in the land against your preseason number two Huskers. And then Saturday, shockingly, unranked UCLA and the Big Red. Fabulous way to start the 2019 campaign. Hello, I'm John Baylor, soon to be joined by the 20-year head coach 
of Nebraska Volleyball. Welcome back here to Nebraska Volleyball Show. Tuesdays from 7 until 8. I'm John Baylor. There's the head coach. John Cook in his 20th year, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Coach, do you know that you are nearly the Husker volleyball coach with the longest tenure in the history of the program? Wait a second, what? All right, let me repeat that. You are nearly the Husker volleyball coach with the longest tenure here in the history of the program. Well, Pettit was here for 25 years. 23. Oh. So I'm just at 20. Uh, without a calculator, you got three to go. <laughs> well, thanks for <laughs> thanks for sharing is, that information. The, when you arrived here, did you ever think, okay, this is the long haul. This is this is a destination. Yeah, yeah, but um, no, for sure. That's why we came here. But I thought the only only thing I would leave for would be USA team. That would be the only thing that would you know would have because there's there's no better college program to coach at. USA has come knocking a few times yeah, for you. But timing wasn't right and so but no. <clears throat> I'm uh you know, brass is great. And uh Saturday night there was a lot of hope out there and uh, a lot of folks are happy that we're gonna have an opponent that's not named Nebraska very soon because it was kinda quiet. Yeah. It always is. That's, it drives me nuts. Yeah, it's a little quiet. Just because, they, you know, but people, you know, the cool thing is our fans cheer when there's a good play. There's yeah. a good rally they're cheering. There's a good play they're but cheering. But then they feel guilty for cheering because there's someone else who's unhappy. Yeah, so it's a tricky dynamic. So, but you know what? Uh, this this blew me away, John. So we signed autographs for two hours. The line was on the second level. The vanny was all the way around. That's a big concourse. It it, it, it was, I was, blew my mind. But anyway... Some people waited two hours in that mm. line to sign, and the people at the end are saying thanks for waiting and not, you know, not leaving early or not taking off. To the and, players. Yeah, to us and the coaches oh. who were signing. Just they were so appreciative. And I'm like, thank you for waiting for two hours to get your stuff signed. I mean, that's incredible. And what were all the players signing? A poster of the team? Yeah, well, people had posters. Uh, most of them had posters. They had balls. They had they could you know they can, they can get one thing signed. One thing. Phone cases to hats to. And are all the players still healthy? I'm worried about their wrists. Yeah, it was it was a long haul for two hours. I mean, I was I signed with them. So you did too. Uh, How's oh, your yeah. wrist? Yeah, doing? it's good. It's good. I'm used to signing, but. Anyway, it's it's and you know you you're interacting with everybody. So, but it, it just shows you how Nebraska people. I mean, thank you for waiting. I mean that I'm like you know we should be thanking you and they I told Lindsay I'm saying we ought to be having serving them popcorn and pop. Yeah. And, you know, uh, dilly bars. Why why, yeah, and the ice cream sandwiches. Ice cream sandwiches. And nice. Why they're in the line. But I so I actually I said hey let's get stuff going and this is what they said concessions sold out. <laughs> So everything was sold out. Should so give them a little no, thing in Dorothy Lynch, something. <laughs> I mean, they waited for two hours, Coach. I know, but, but there was they, nothing to give them. Because I was ready to start, you know, pulling out, handing stuff out at the end of the line. <laughs> it was sold out. Concessions ran out. I'm glad they didn't, you know, turn the lights off because it, it was late. That's yeah. why you started early because you needed extra time for everyone to yeah. sign. Yeah. It was, and is this it for a signage for the whole year? Yeah. That's we're, what you want to do it one night? Do one, John, we can't on a school night or a, yep. on a weekend – uh, Saturday night. I mean, play play a five game Big Ten match and sign for two hours. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a that's that's 
you know so anyway this is what we we do it on red white and so the people get to go to the red white game get get a free poster they get to you know meet the huskers and go through the signing line and so it's pretty cool coach my impression from up high in the press box is that this is far from a finished product but it's ahead of schedule it seems a little polished for this time of year it does wow. pretty sweet wow not your impression this is not the first time <laughs> you and i have disagreed yeah yeah, I'm not. I'm not seeing that smooth polish yet. Okay. But, but at least with Nicklin and the middles, yeah, that seems to be vastly improved. And you made a great choice when you teamed Nicklin with Lawrence Stibbins during Beach, so you got all those reps together. Yeah, yeah. So, and that was also you know to help develop their relationship to be leaders. So, um, but you know, we'll we'll see this weekend. You we'll lost. Get tested. Two great leaders and, of course, two great players from last year's team. You've got two brand-new leaders. So far, so good in that department? Well, we've had our ups and downs in practice and um, our challenges, and um, they're trying to figure it out. Uh, but um, it's, uh, you know, the, the, le the level of competition in our gym is really high. So I don't know if people are feeling pressure, um, you know, to perform maybe. So, um but it's good, you know, and the levels are really high, and they've got to perform well to be successful. Nebraska head volleyball coach John Cook, this is the Nebraska Volleyball Show. You speak to a lot of corporate groups on leadership and how you inculcate leadership in your program. Can you teach leadership? I mean, can a person be taught to be a leader in volleyball, in athletics, and in your opinion, outside of athletics? Yeah, I, born that way? I think so. I mean, John, I've, I've that first, uh, when I went on the USS Nebraska nuclear submarine, I mean, you talk about leadership. These guys are under sea for three months straight, never come up. They're 18 year old kids running that thing. And they're teaching, they've taught the Navy has taught those guys how to lead and lead their groups, you know, whether they're in the missile state part of it or the engine part of it or the steering and communications part of it. But they all got to be leaders in there, and that's when I realized we, we can train leaders. And so, you know, that's what we've tried, been doing with uh, Lauren and Nicklin. We started in January with a book called Culture, Culture Code, great book. And it looks at successful teams and businesses. Zappos has won the San Antonio Spurs and, and uh, on how they train leaders and why they're so successful. And we did a book study. It was pretty cool. So. Yeah one or two key points from culture code for those of us who haven't read it yeah first of all um the um um san antonio spurs popovich uh as a coach he uh has he takes guys all to dinner and, and buys really nice wine he's a wine connoisseur i mean like he's a wine collector so his whole thing is you know he's going to teach them about wine and really fine foods and and through that and he, he picks out, so when they go to a restaurant, he decides wh where everybody's going to sit. So he strategically is putting people with people, and then he intermingles with everybody. So just the thought of an NBA mm. coach, you know, who's with these guys for, you know, months, mm. but they're still doing that. Um, so that's, that's just one example uh, of a type of leadership and how he does it. Um, I know Zappos, another one, the shoe company. I didn't know what Zappos was till I read the book. And um, they have a very collaborative, uh, open. Their offices are open. Everybody, you know, is giving input and feels a part of it, and um, very collaborative. And and uh, so 
they go into detail about how they make those interactions, but they, they purposely designed it and create a culture where people are giving feedback and it's a, a really collaborative effort. Cindy in Kansas City, our first caller on their basketball volleyball show for 2019. Hello, Cindy. JB, thank you so much. Hi, Coach Cook. This is a thrill for me to get to talk to you, and I could talk to you about like a hundred different things, but I, I'm going to keep it brief. First thing I wanted to say was if I could give you some perspective on the autograph line. Okay. Um, one of the thrills of my life was when you guys came down here to Kansas City for the national championship. I was there. I bought tickets like a year ahead of time, um, and it was just icing on the cake that you guys made it. Um, but kind of stumbled into getting to be almost first in the autograph line on Thursday night after the semifinal games. That in itself is a story that I won't go into now, but what I will say is that it was so much fun to get to go through the autograph line and talk to all of your players and get their autographs. And let me tell you, I'm never washing that shirt. Never washing that shirt ever. That is, that's got to be one of my most treasured pieces of memorabilia because until I was at that game, I never got to personally witness a national championship for Nebraska in any sport. And I'm not exactly young anymore. I'm probably you guys' age or older. So that was a huge thrill for me. Um, that leads me to a question that I want to ask you about where the national championship is played. Okay. And I think I know what you're going to say. But what I don't understand is why that travels to places where it's not going to be well attended. Um, because it was sold out in Kansas City. And I, I just don't see why that isn't held someplace where the NCAA is guaranteed that there are going to be sellouts. And I feel like the Midwest is an excellent place for that. Kansas City is an excellent place for that. Wanted to get your thoughts on that. Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Cindy. Yeah, the, so it's been brought up, like, why don't we just have it in Omaha every year, like baseball? But then everybody complains, well, that gives Nebraska an advantage. And, and then it's like, well, baseball doesn't care. So you got that dynamic. So you're correct. The, they've had it. Um, they've gone to the West Coast. It's been disaster. Uh, they've had it. Now Minnesota had a big crowd. Columbus, Ohio had a big crowd. Of course, Omaha and Kansas City had, you know, record crowds. So uh, where Pittsburgh comes in, I don't know. Uh, but I think, again, they're trying to expand it on the East Coast. So I think the thought is, you know, where can they get a good deal? Remember, there's a coaches convention that goes along with the Final Four. So there's about 3,000 coaches that come in for that. And there's stuff going on during the day. And there's a high school all-star game. So, again, I think by moving around the country, they're trying to grow the sport. And uh, maybe, you know, we'll see if Pittsburgh sells out. Um, and I know it's coming to Omaha next year. So uh, I, think I think the goal is to move it around, see if they can expose new people, new cities, new areas to volleyball. And Pittsburgh, you know, had a great year last year. And, you know, was, I think they're ranked 10th or 12th or something preseason. And they got a kid from Platteview. Yeah. On so, their team. so uh, you know, they're, they're, it's kind of cool how that's working out. But – it's done well in the Midwest, you are correct. It's done very poorly in the West Coast. 
Stop by the Nebraska Soybean Booth at Husker Harvest Days to pick up your Husker football schedule and learn about the benefits of biodiesel. They'll also be talking about the many crop opportunities for soybeans, otherwise known as the various uses adding value to your crop. And we welcome Sartor Heyman Jewelers, the official jeweler of Husker Athletics. Through the end of September, spend a minimum of $2,500 at Sartor Heyman and receive a free Traeger grill. See stores for details. Sartor Heyman Jewelers, where Nebraska gets engaged. More Nebraska Volleyball Show after you hear this. Coach, thanks. We'll see you Friday night. All right, JB. That's head coach John Cook. Year number 20, his Huskers, your Huskers, face Creighton on Friday night. Resumption of a great interstate rivalry. Two fabulous programs, fabulous coaches. And then on Saturday, bringing the 2011 national champs, the UCLA Bruins are a little down. But it's UCLA and Nebraska. Should be fun. Both matches, 7 o'clock. Both matches airtime, 6.30 on the HSN. I'm John Baylor for the head coach. Stay right there. More Sports Nightly. Good night, Nebraska. We think them up. We count them down. It's Top 10 Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. Well, last week we talked about best games of the year. Tonight we're going to talk about the best players. This was a piece of cake, wasn't it, boys? This had to be pretty easy. Pretty easy. Pretty easy. Yeah. Josh? Yeah, I thought it was fun. I, I mean... There's a lot of guys to choose from, and it's we're not talking about the best players in college football. We're talking about the most exciting players to watch. So yeah. I, it was a little bit, you know, it made you think in a little bit different area, but it was still fun to, to talk about the guys that are exciting to watch. Austin, were you okay with this topic tonight? Hard not to be okay with it. You know, like, like Josh said, you know, it's a lot of it is, you know, the best players are going to be the most exciting to watch. But I guess my take on it was, who are the most electric playmakers? You know, the big home run threats, the guys that you never know what's going to happen, but you know you have to have your eyes on them. All right. Well, Ben, since you're back, I mean, we need to probably start with you. Yeah, I'll go ahead and bat lead off. Yeah, sure. That's fine. <laughs> um, my number 10, probably a surprise to people that he's this low on my list, but to me, he's just not that exciting of a player. He's a very, very good player, and he's on arguably the best team in the country. I've got Trevor Lawrence here on number 10. Ten? And I and I feel like the reason why he's not exciting is because he doesn't run the ball a whole lot. Like, there are other guys on my list that, you know, they're electrifying, um, you know, with other aspects of their game, and they can, they can run. But he can sling it. He's probably the best quarterback in the country. But in terms of excitement, there are other guys that I'm picking. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. He's not on my list at all. He didn't even make my honorable mentions because he's not he's, – he's he probably is one of the best players in the country. He is one of the best players in the country, but that doesn't make him exciting. So You guys give him no props for his hair even? Well, <laughs> I mean, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's, uh, I'll jump into my number 10 here. And I have a guy that the Huskers are going to see in a couple weeks, LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. And – Honestly, the only thing holding him back is the fact that he's not at a premier program. If he was at a Clemson or an Alabama or Oklahoma, he would be right up there as one of the top players in the country. But he, that doesn't mean he's not exciting. He is a dynamic electric player to watch, as Husker fan, fans found out last year. Very good. Yeah, I, I think he's tremendous, and I'm a little nervous about him in two weeks already. Austin, what do you got? 
I'm starting with defense here for my number 10. I go down to the Bayou LSU safety Grant Delpit. He got that coveted number seven jersey that's become their tradition going to their best defensive playmaker. Unanimous All-American last year. 74 tackles, including five sacks. He also had five picks, broke up nine other passes. He's all over the field, plays with his hair on fire. Just an absolute maniac. You might not see him on screen the whole time, but you know he's going to be coming. I think he's really exciting to watch. Yeah, very good. Okay, I'm also defense with my number 10. I'm going to Auburn. Derek Brown, 6'5", 315-pounder, had four and a half sacks last year. Probably is a top 10 pick, maybe the best defensive lineman in college football. So I go Derek Brown of Auburn at my number 10. Big dude. Huge. Doesn't he wear like a tight, like a small number, like number one or something like that? Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like there are, there's. It a, is a single number. You're right. <laughs> I feel like there's a stretch. Five, maybe. Yeah, stretch five. of stretch of really weird numbers happening. All right, my number nine. I'm going to the Big Twelve, and this dude is electrifying. And and when you're playing in that conference, you have to score a lot of points, and he does a lot of that. I've got Jalen Rager from TCU, just a lightning bolt. It reminds me a lot of. DeAnthony Thomas, uh, who played for Oregon in that system. And if he had a better quarterback and TCU had a better offense or he was on a better team, this this dude would be on a lot of All-American type lists. But even as it stands right now, he's one of the most electric electric players to watch in college football. Very good. All right, my number nine, I have a Clemson player here, not Trevor Lawrence, though. It's Travis Etienne, the running back from for the Tigers, and he's a guy that, you know, it, it, he is pretty flashy. He's maybe not the most flashy running back in the country, but he's right up there. He can he can uh, do a lot of different things. So I have him at my number nine. I go to Clemson's national title game opponent for the last few years to Alabama for this one. Jerry Judy, wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I contemplated making this a top 11 with a tie between Judy and his running mate Jalen Waddell. I didn't. Just Jerry Judy here. That would have been very Austin-like if you had done that. <laughs> Should have just put all four of them on there. You know, that, that thought also <laughs> crossed my mind, but that's even too far for me. You know, I'm not quite that audacious. But Judy's fun to watch. He runs really good routes. Last year's Biletnikoff Award winner averaged 19.3 yards per catch. That's insane no matter where you're playing and no matter who your quarterback is. Best mark in school history, even with all the great receivers Alabama's had recently. Just a fun guy to watch. Another guy that you kind of have to break down a little bit, get a more specific view on, but he's pretty much always open. All right, very good. I'm getting my defensive guys out of the way. My number nine, another defensive guy. And I'm coming to the Big Ten. I've got Chase Young of Ohio State, ten and a half sacks a year ago. You wouldn't know it if you watched the Nebraska game because Huskers did a good job blocking Chase Young throughout the day. But he's explosive. He's he's definitely a first-round pick, uh, and he picked up the slack quite a bit last year when Bosa got sidelined for them. I, I really like Chase Young. I've got him at nine. Who do you guys have in the top? I'm wondering who you guys have in the top five. This is this is nuts. Uh, my number eight, I'm staying right here in Lincoln. Here's where I got Adrian. Um, you guys might have him a little higher, but um, I, he's definitely, without question in my eyes, a top ten pick. And I, I have him ahead of Trevor Lawrence because he can run the ball and because of the scheme that he's in. It allows him to be a lot more exciting. So I've got uh, Adrian Martinez here at number eight. Yeah, there you go. Uh, my number eight, I you had a Big Ten or a Big Twelve player a little bit earlier, Ben. I have a Big Twelve one here, Tylen Wallace, wide receiver from Oklahoma yeah, State. Good pick. And I mean, it, it's a little bit a product of the offense that they run, but he is a, a great player. And I was watching a few of his highlights earlier today. He's he's uh, he can uh, make a lot of things happen for that offense. So I have him up at number eight. You had a monster 
He arguably I, might be. I think he might be the most productive wideout that's back on a team. Last I think year. He, I'm not sure about this. I think he's just a junior this year. I'm yeah, not, he 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 had a monster year last year. Crazy. All right, number eight for me, Ben. You had him at number ten. I've got Trevor Lawrence here, and no, he's not necessarily flashy, but there's something to be said for you know being surgical, just watching a quarterback sit in the pocket, take his time, go through his reads. There's something about that that I find fun to watch. You know, Peyton Manning, my favorite quarterback of all time, never ran, still really fun to watch. Just the technical aptitude of Trevor Lawrence, I think, is fun to watch. Obviously, he's got plenty of weapons too. True. My age, Trevor Lawrence. So I, I get him on there. I know some of you guys are shutting him out, but I think yeah. he's pretty fun to watch. I got him at eight. I'm the only one that shut him out. But yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. My number seven, I am uh, going to the SEC here, and I'm going to Athens, Georgia. DeAndre Swift, um, not only is he extremely fast, but he's put on a bunch of weight, and he can run dudes over. And he, in my opinion, he's just as good as Todd Gurley as he was when he came out. I think he's going to be a high draft pick. Um, he's, he's not built like Saquon Barkley. He's built a little differently, but I think he's going to be more than productive, and he's an exceptional football player in Athens. I've got DeAndre Swift here at seven. He's hard to miss. Yeah, I, I'm actually line up right here with you, Ben. I have DeAndre Swift at number seven as well, and yeah, he he can make those 80-yard runs look pretty easy. Uh, it, he he has dealt with a few injuries, but he's when he's healthy, he's really good. All right, Ben, you mentioned that some of us might have Adrian Martinez a little higher on our list. I have him one spot higher than you did here, number seven. Like you said, with the system, it makes him more exciting, but also what he can do outside of the system. You know, you have to game plan for him, but it's hard to game plan for what he does, extending plays, keeping them alive, just some of the ridiculous throws he can make in scramble situations. He's, he's just fun to watch. Nebraska fans are blessed with the opportunity to watch him for at least a couple more years, so he's my number seven. Okay, my number seven, I'm also staying in the Big Ten, but I'm going defense again with Iowa's A.J. Epinesa, another guy with ten and a half sacks. Pretty impressive to get ten and a half when he rotated with some of those other big D linemen from Iowa last year. He's going to get a lot more snaps this year. I think that sack total goes up. He is a junior, draft eligible. Most boards show him as a top ten pick next May. So I've got A.J. Epinesa at seven. Yeah, he will be a top ten pick. Iowa could have two top ten picks in the yeah. draft. Offense line and defense yeah, line, yeah. Coming up. All right, my number five, you guys probably have him a little higher, but uh, I've got two attack of Iloa here at number five. And the Are reason six? Six, Ben. Oh, right. Oh, I did miss one. My six was uh defensive end, Chase Young from Ohio State. <laughs> I had him at nine. Yeah. Uh one of those dudes that just looks different than everybody else on the field. Uh, when I tell people all the time that we're playing Ohio State and, you know, that, that they've got athletes all over. He's usually the – I mean, he, I remember one of the first games Ohio State played, I think it was the TCU game last year, and they showed him, like, who is this guy? Immediately pulled up his rival's profile. Five-star, I believe he's from the, the Maryland area. Um, just an absolute monster. He will be a, a top 10 overall pick. And you're right, Nebraska shut him down Brendan in, in, in Columbus. That mm-hmm. was more than impressive to watch in person. But, yeah, that dude coming off the edge, getting one of those single-digit number guys, number two, big-time player for Ryan Day in Ohio State. There you go. Well, my number six uh, is a teammate of Ben's number five Jer- that we just found out, <laughs> Jerry Judy, uh, wide receiver from Alabama. Austin had him at number nine. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a big time explosive playmaker for that offense, and it's funny because Alabama it feels like they they get the best players, but they don't always have the most explosive. But they usually have one guy at wide receiver that is is that, and this this uh, generation of Alabama players that is that explosive wide receiver is Jerry Judy. So I have him at number six. 
I stick at wide receiver for my number six in the big 12, though. C.D. Lamb, receiver, Oklahoma. The other half of the Marquise Brown duo from last year. Lamb went over 1,100 yards. He's 6'2 with dreads. It's hard to miss him. He's also the guy you don't see because he's running a 4-3-5-40 past all the defensive backs. He's just made some absolutely ludicrous catches in traffic as well. He also returns punts pretty well-rounded. He's on the field a lot, makes a lot of plays for that explosive Oklahoma offense. See if Jalen Hurts can get him the football this year. All right, my number six, one of you guys had him. I think it might have been Austin or maybe Josh. Travis Etienne, the, the running back from Clemson, over 1,600 yards on the ground a year ago with 24 touchdowns. Uh, really complements their passing game and really sets it up in a lot of ways. So Etienne from Clemson, my number six. Anyone guesses on what my number five is? <laughs> you were setting that up, but you didn't get to it. I said his it. name. Oh, I said his name. Okay. To attack by Loa here at number five. A lot of people probably have them higher on their list. He's, he's again, one of the top quarterbacks going to come out. Two reasons why I have him at five. One, he was terrible in two of the three biggest games that Alabama played last year. He was not good. Yeah. And the other reason is he has four first-round wide receivers he's throwing to uh, with Jerry, Judy, Ruggs, Waddle, and, and Devontae Smith. So you got four first-rounders to throw to. You've got uh, Najee Harris. You've got plenty of weapons behind you. That's not to take anything away from him. I, he had gaudy numbers a year ago, but I couldn't put him any higher than five. There you go. My number five is another quarterback, one of your favorite guys, Ben, Khalil Tate. Uh, you you had a chance to see him over there in Hawaii, but you missed out I blew on that. I went, chose not to. I chose to go to the wedding that I was invited to yeah, go I don't to know instead. what you were thinking there, but <laughs> oh well. Khalil, Khalil Tate, though, is my number five. He's t- had a little bit of his dynamic running ability taken away from him from the offense, but you still saw it on the final play of the game uh, on Saturday that he, he has, when he gets the opportunity to run, he still is a, one of the most exciting players to watch in college football. So, uh He's not necessarily on a great team either, so that that takes him down a notch as well, but um, I have him at number five. All right, Josh and Greg, you've both had my number five. This is Ravgat Etienne from Clemson. Maybe not the best back in the country. There's an argument. Jonathan Taylor might be a hair better. I think Etienne's just more exciting, a little bit faster, breakaway speed, and his team's more fun to watch. So, relatively speaking, I give Etienne the nod on this one. Yeah, that's a perfect summation, too, of Jonathan Taylor. Amazing back. But you just don't I mean he, he gets it seven yards at a time. You don't see a whole lot of big chunk plays out of Jonathan Tater, and that's why he hasn't been on my list up to this point in time. All right, my number five, here, here's where I've got Justin Herbert, the quarterback from Oregon. Big matchup for him this week with Auburn. They really need to get that game not only for them but for the Pac-12 Conference. Herbert, 29 touchdown passes last year for the Ducks. They're down a couple of wide receivers that have been hurt during their August camp. That may hurt them some, but he's impressive. He certainly was good against the Blackshirts a couple of years ago up in Oregon. That he's my five. I still have nightmares about that game. <laughs> my neck still hurts from watching them run up and down the field in that first half. Um, my number four has been mentioned uh, all the way down at Austin's 10. I've got Grant Delpit here, safety from LSU. Hadn't heard of this guy until about halfway through the year last year. I watched my first LSU game, and he just plays with absolute reckless abandon. Uh, I think Austin summarized it pretty well. He will be a top five overall pick. He's, you know, the lineage of tremendous secondary players that LSU has had from Patrick Peterson to Tyron Matthew. You know, you go down Morris Claiborne, down the list, he is the next one in line, and he, he lines up all over the field. Reminds me a lot of Jalen Ramsey, the way he played at Florida State, and Derwin James, the way he played at Florida State. He's the best safety in college football, will be a top-five pick. I've got 
Grant Delpit from LSU here at four. There you go. My number four, Ben, you had at five. I have Tua here. And, you know, he's not necessarily a a guy that is – I mean, he's a dual threat player, and he, he does a lot of different things. But he's so – he's a little bit like uh, Trevor Lawrence in that he is surgical in what he does, and he's so efficient. But he can make big plays look so easy, whether it's with his arm or with his feet. So he's uh, – a Yes, he didn't have the best year last year, but uh, he's obviously one of the best quarterbacks in the country, so I have him at number four. Okay. My number four has not been mentioned yet. I've got Rondell Moore here. The young sophomore from Purdue is so good for them last year in, in both receiving and rushing with the football, and they're going to need an awful lot of him because they lost their top two backs from last year. Uh, he's going to need some help. And plus, I, I don't know that they're quite as good at quarterback as they were a year ago at Blau. So Moore's numbers may come back to the pack a little bit this year. And I kind of factored that into this, that he may not have as big of impact this year as he did last year, but he's still a tremendous player to watch. I have Rondale at four. All right, my number four here, Oh, Josh. sorry, Austin, no, I no, jumped you. Your show, your show, you're good. Number four, uh, if we mentioned that Ben's a Khalil Tate fan. Ben, did you know you're a Khalil Tate fan? <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, well, he's my number four here as well, uh, partly because he's just a really good player, really fun to watch. Also, you have to factor in that Pac-12 after dark voodoo gets to play in some of those from time to time, just an added, added layer of craziness and excitement. Yep. All right, on to the top three. My number three has been mentioned by two of you, Austin at number nine, Greg at number six. I've got Jerry Judy from Alabama here. And all you have to watch is the one highlight from last year where he's on the sideline stops pulls the reggie bush stops on a dime and jukes like four guys out of their <laughs> shoes and scores dude's unbelievable and i wish he'd come on over to kansas city <laughs> good yeah i wouldn't mind that either uh my number three has been mentioned by a couple of you guys i might have homered this one a little bit but i have adrian martinez here at number three and he's a guy that when it comes down to quarterbacks i feel like he is probably He's right up there with Khalil Tate as one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the country. And the, the quotes that we've been hearing, we had it on, on the, the press conference clips last night on Sports Nightly from Coach Frost, basically comparing him to, as Coach Frost said, a guy in Kansas City that making throws and making plays that he has never seen and uh, made on a football field. So he's a guy that I expect to take another step forward this season, which if that's going forward from what he did last season, that's going to be pretty amazing to watch. I wonder what Adrian thinks about those Matt Moore comparisons. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Number three, Josh had him at his number eight spot. This is where I've got Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State. Some numbers on him last year. 63 catches of 10-plus yards led the country. 25 catches of 20-plus tied for second nationally. Also had 17.3 yards per catch. He played three games against top 10 teams, averaged six catches, 168 yards, and two touchdowns. Lost out on the Bletnikoff to Jerry Judy. But if he's going to get the ball, it's going to be pretty far downfield. He's going to make sure he transports that ball very far downfield. He's fast. He's shifty. Extremely fun to watch in the Big 12. Yeah, I'm glad you guys put him on there. He's a good player. I, I missed on him. All right, my number three has been mentioned, and here's where I have LaVisca Chenault, the young man from Colorado who we'll see in two weeks. 86 catches last year, 11 total touchdowns, five of those on the ground. Electric, he was in – Nebraska did not have an answer. He was the best player him. on the field that day. Yeah, yeah. sure was. And, and, and part of my slant maybe putting him so high is because I've seen him in person. Yeah. And that, that makes a difference, and that's probably why I've got him up at three. 
All right, on to the top two. My two, Greg, you had at four. Here's where I got Rondale Moore for Purdue. Just going back to the very first game against Northwestern, like, who was this kid? And he just took the nation by storm that night and, and never looked back his freshman year. I've got Rondale number two. Okay, very good. My number two has been mentioned by you guys, and this is the only defensive player I have on this chart. Maybe a little bit high for a defensive guy, but this is where I have Chase Young from Ohio State, just an outstanding uh young player that that has a bright future ahead of him like you said ben so chase young at number two for me all right my number two is ben's five and josh's four this is where i've got Tua Tagovailoa. i want to think about how exciting this kid is in overtime he was willing to take a 16 yard sack just to throw a 41 yard touchdown <laughs> no that's pretty gutsy that's that's quite the introduction confident it's yeah. extremely confident so if that's how you're going to start your career off you know, that's pretty insane. I remember that highlight against Vanderbilt where he scrambles around for 13 seconds and flings it all the way across the field, which, okay, yes, it's Vanderbilt. I understand that. But at the same time, just an impressive highlight. Ben, you dinged him for having all those great players around him. I think they obviously help him, but I think he could do this with pretty much any receiving core in America. All right, we'll see when he's on the Jaguars next year how good he can do. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Man. All right, my number two, uh, I'm the ultimate Husker homer. Here's where I have AM. I just think that I, I think we just saw scratching the surface for him last year. The thing that people forget about it, he didn't play football for a year because he missed his senior year of high school because of an injury. So there had to be some rust in him last year, and yet he put up those numbers. I think now that this offense is even more confident in what they do, and I think there's even going to be a few more weapons out there for him to utilize and for other teams to be worried about, I think his numbers are going to be off the chart. I would agree. And I'm not apologizing for putting him at two. I never asked you to. <laughs> My number one has been mentioned by all three of you guys, Josh at nine, Greg at six, Austin at five. I've got Travis Etienne from Clemson here at number five. Watched him as a freshman against South Carolina. It was really the first time I watched his, his full game. He, he was a lightning bolt back then, but he's put on about 25 pounds, and now he can do a lot more than just run by everybody. And, and I feel like he gets he gets looked over because of Trevor Lawrence, yeah. because of T. Higgins, because of all of the great players on Clemson's team. And Clemson's defensive line takes so much of the of the uh, the praise. But Travis Etienne's, in my opinion, one of the if not the best, most versatile backs in college football. And I'll take him on my team any day. You know, they open with Georgia Tech conference game. Georgia Tech usually a bowl team. Clemson's favored by thirty five. Crazy. <laughs> All right, my number one, Greg and Ben, you've both had. I have Rondale Moore from Purdue here, the guy who can do it all, running the ball and receiving and in the return game. And uh, we got a up-close look at him last year, and we'll have another one this year. So um, I have him at number one. Rondale Moore will appear on all of our lists. He's my number one as well. Pretty much the only thing he didn't do for Purdue last year was sit the bench. All right, well, I'm the, I guess I'm the different one. I've got Tua here at one, and I, I disagree with Ben. I think this guy's got all the tools. I don't think it matters what offense. You could put him in a couple different teams around the country, and he put up big-time numbers. Anybody that can come off the bench in a national title game and lift his team to a win, phew, props to that guy. So I've got Tua at one. It's two years ago. Get over it. <laughs> Is it it's, how was he in the last ten, he ran, How was he in the last title game he played? They couldn't stop Clemson. It was the Alabama's defense. They couldn't score on Clemson either. And you hate Trevor Lawrence, who tore apart that Bama defense. I didn't say I hate him. <laughs> you didn't put him on your list. He, I, that means he's not exciting. Doesn't mean I hate him. I love Khalil Tate. And where is he on my list? He wasn't. Should we Twitter poll this one, boys? Oh yeah, we absolutely. Got it. All right. 
Get in there and get the little Twitter poll made up of this thing. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter, it's at Husker Sports. If you don't follow us on Twitter, that's what you need to follow, at Husker Sports. You're the loser of the things. week. Yeah, okay, woo. <laughs> Man, all right. Well, Nate, you got me all fired Nate, up here with this Tua thing. Nate has named his loser. Though. He's got like a name for it. It's that TV broadcaster in Des Moines. He's got a name for his my annual da-da-da-da loser of the week is. You'll have to ask him about it Friday. Of course he does. Finally, a game week here. The Oscars will take on South Alabama Saturday at 11. Our pregame coverage begins bright and early with the opening drive at 6 as we get ready to launch this 2019 season. We heard from defensive coordinator Eric Chenander in hour number one of the program as part of our practice report. We'll have another one tomorrow. We'll hear from Troy Walters as the offense gets ready. We'll also have our Big Ten Blitz. We debuted that last Wednesday. Now we're into a game week. Some pretty interesting matchups in the Big Ten for this week. I don't think I think the best matchup in my eyes, Ben, in the Big Ten in week one is Northwestern traveling out to the West Coast to take on Stanford. The Cardinal are favored in that game, but I think we've learned a long time ago, you don't sleep on Northwestern, not with Pat Fitzgerald at the helm of that program. No, and, and a lot of people feel like last year was a fluke, and it, it might have been. but uh, Won a lot of close ones. He's As long as he's around, you, they're no longer a little Northwestern, and maybe we ought to pay attention this week. It's If you don't, you're going to be in trouble. That'll be an interesting game. That one starts at, I believe, 3 o'clock. I have my Big Ten notes over here somewhere. 3 o'clock, so the Husker game is just going to be getting over, and then that one's kind of a mid-afternoon game. Teddy Greenstein will be covering that game. We'll be talking to him about that uh, later in the week as as well as some other things with Teddy coming up. So we'll also be profiling Wisconsin tomorrow night. The Badgers, also a road game in their opener. They're traveling down to Tampa. They'll take on South Florida. That's a bit of a scary game for the Badgers. And we'll talk uh, to Mike Carmen of Purdue. Uh, The Boilermakers, they're also on the road for week one. They go out to play Nevada on a Friday night night game that's a bit of a scary game too you travel out there some of the question marks that Purdue has Nevada's got a pretty good football program so that'll be an interesting game there's some pretty interesting matchups in week one Huskers not so much we'll have an interesting one though in week two when the big red travel to Colorado yeah these these early season matchups are even Miami and Florida you know there's so many good good games early on that just makes me appreciate when they happen because you know early on you get a lot of games that aren't so appetizing but when you do get those big ones early it's they're a lot of fun and you soak a lot into it handful of conference matchups we talked to adam rittenberg last night virginia and pitt playing a conference game joy i mentioned earlier this hour clemson georgia tech play a conference game next year nebraska's going to open up the season with a conference game as purdue will be in lincoln to start the season next year that's going to be different for us getting ready for not only the season opener but the conference opener next september gonna have a little little extra chips in the middle of the table of that one i'll be all right be ready to roll on that yeah. one. So, Bill Moose tomorrow night, our monthly, we waited till right at the end of the month, but our monthly chat with the athletic director for the Cornhuskers, Bill Moose, we'll have that in hour number two. Again, we'll have the Blitz, Buy, Sell, Lane Grindle. It'll be a full show tomorrow.